Hey, hey, everybody. Oh, wait. Hey, hey. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Woo. Welcome, everyone. I didn't think I was going to make it. I was, I was like a minute away, and then I realized, oh, shiznies. We need to get like the drive, the drive that we like record it all in. And uh, <laughs> and I like ran up the stairs, and then I like grabbed it, and, and I came back down, and it was very dramatic. It was very very dramatic. So anyway, it is ooh. Friday the January 13th, 2003, but um, we are going to go travel back in time to a different metaverse. Uh, this is a weird thing. Yeah. So this is part of like an on a just small ongoing series through uh, the holidays. Um, it started five years ago before the whole Marvel thing, during the whole Marvel thing. You know, all of that. Um, but this is the start, and we'll have several segments later, but like much later in the year. Well, you're probably going to forget about it. So, <laughs> and I'll remind you when we get to it, because like it's not, not until like May. So, this is from the uh, alternate reality in the metaverse of the holidays for Friday the 13th. What are you doing here? Mac told me to meet him here. He has tickets, tickets for, for Mean, mean Girls, Girls on Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, he told me about that too. Oh, he invited you. Yo, so. Mac. Will. Hey. Jewish Will. Yeah. I thought I invited Black Will. I got tickets for the Avengers. What, Avengers is on Broadway? No, it's a movie. It hasn't been adapted yet. Okay, so wouldn't that mean that it's on DVD then? Who owns DVD? Who doesn't? It's an Avengers War of Infinity, Paige. I just gotta say, Mac? It's really disappointing that you do this every time. I really wanted to go to Mean Girls. Well, you know what? It's really disappointing when your fat friend doesn't let you have fun with your other friends because they're too fat and they don't know where to go with their lives. Okay, but dude, we already saw two of these. I don't want to see another one. But the third one is always the best one, okay? Yeah, but it says part two isn't coming out for next until next year. Don't you ruin this. And it also says right here on my IMD Pro, it says... It doesn't come out in the theaters for another two weeks, Mac. But that doesn't mean that we can't wait. But don't you already have the tickets? Yes, that's not the point, Paige. You're not listening. So, when are you going to get over this whole superhero thing, Mac, huh? I was over it. I was out of the weeds. And yeah. then Black Panther. Oh. I get it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for us. Wait a second. You said that we were finished with the holidays. It's not a we holiday. Took a blood what do you mean it's not, not a holiday? holiday? It is a holiday. That's not a How did you Jason set this up? Let's just go to the movie, y'all. Yeah? It's not for another two Let's, weeks. I'm going to be there, okay? I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys there. I should have invited Black Willie's way cooler. Is Chris Pratt in it? He 
is in it, actually. He's Star-Lord. Yeah. Hey, guys. Actually, I haven't bought the tickets yet. Just give me like 20 seconds. I'm going to run by those. The box office is closed. That's when, like, Alex is putting all this, like, hip-hop music, hip-hop music on the holidays, which I don't like. Just because I just don't like it. I like a lot of me. I'm, I'm, I'm an alternative music, like, poppy girl. So, like, I like No Doubt. Uh, you know, I grew up listening to, like, No Doubt and, like, Blink-182 and, like, Backstreet Boys and stuff like that. And so I like that type of feel in the holidays, not, like rapping stuff because i wasn't really into that except eminem but like he's more like i think he was more like a mainstream poppy rap for eminem right anyway uh that was the friday the 13th um with alex uh written by alex R. wagner with uh will f young Paige wilson and kylie moe and that was from the alternate universe so yeah <laughs> i don't I don't have like a thing to read you about Friday the 13th, but we all know that Friday the 13th, you know, it's that freaky thing where it's the 13th, so superstition. Ooh. That was the best uh, thing that I could do. Um, but Friday the 13th, very superstitious. I like to think that the good things can still happen on Friday the 13th, knock on wood. Um, but it's one of those days that everyone's like, ooh, things are going to be weird. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I feel like every day something weird happens that's not, and it's not Friday the 13th. So maybe the weirdness will be that nothing weird will happen, and it will be an absolutely normal day with absolutely normal news, and we'll all go around our absolutely normal lives and be like, hmm, that was a really normal day. That was a more normal day than ever before. So, yeah, cool. All right, so without further ado, we're going to dive into more holidays, and we still have two sketches for you. So that was just a throwback, but we do have two more sketches uh, for the holidays. So let's uh, jump on in. All right. <coughs> we have Korean American Day. Cool. All right. It is a, a day to honor and highlight our friends of Korean descent who have made immeasurable contrib contributions as small business owners, military members, service members, faith leaders, doctors, artists, and elected officials for over a century. Ever since the first immigration wave happened way back in 1903. So it's been 120 years <laughs> of, of you know, the, this major Korean, of Korean Americans. Um, I'm sure there were some before that, but the major wave was in uh, 120 years ago, which is crazy. That's, that's a lot of generations. That's a lot of generations. Um, uh, just over, actually, um, it doesn't seem like any other ones arrived before then. Because apparently, with the history of Korean American Day, it was in 1903 that just over 100 Koreans first arrived in the United States. The number quickly grew, and within two years, a further 7,500. 7, wow, that was a huge growth. And made the same journey. All right, awesome. We have some famous uh, Korean Americans. We have Sammy Lee, a two-time Olympic gold medalist in diving. Wendy Graham served as a U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission chair under President Reagan and Bush. David Hyun, oh, I'm sorry, I said that name wrong, was the architect who revitalized Little Tokyo in L.A. and Heinz Ward Jr. played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and then we also have most recently this Robert Hur, 
guy who's going to be investigating the <laughs> the Biden documents. Oh my god, I can't believe we have we have Trump documents now we have Biden documents. But he is also uh, a Korean American uh, of South Korean descent who um, who was born in New York. So yeah, so lots of stuff. And in 2005, they that's when Korean American Day happened. So yay. All right, National Gluten-Free Day. You guys are really lucky that today is also Friday the 13th because otherwise it was going to be our highlight of National Gluten-Free Day today, <laughs> which is not fun. All right, did you know that there is a sleuth among us? Mm. A sly protein hides in your kitchen acting like a binding agent in many foods and beverages you consume on a daily basis. Many of us take it for granted and know nothing of its presence. Mm. While 2.5 million people in the U.S. battle against it. They battle against it. Can you guess what it is? Gluten. A protein found in wheat, rye, and barley that those with a gluten intolerance spend their lives avoiding. So we observe National Gluten-Free Day alongside our gluten-free friends. So throw that bread away. Don't have it today. No sandwiches. You, you, you You do not eat that. Um... It wasn't until 2005 that the gluten-free trend began, um, in addition to those that were diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, and they, they identified celiac disease in the 1950s, which I'm really confused this timeline. It goes backwards. Most of these timelines on nationaltoday.com go f- forwards. But okay. All right. But wheat was born in 9000 BC. So I think wheat is still important. I still eat gluten, um, you know, though I try to avoid it. Like, I try to, you know, have cauliflower pizza as opposed to, like, the, you know, at least when I'm making it. If I'm in New York and I'm going to eat a good, the real slice of pizzas, I'm going to have, like, real pizza. I'm not going to do the cauliflower BS, whatever. But, no, when I'm, like, buying a frozen pizza to make it home, I go for the cauliflower pizza because, you know, it's a little healthier. Just a little bit. Ooh, National Rubber Ducky Day. We all remember the song, right? You have to remember the song. Rubber Ducky, you're the one. Rubber Ducky, we have lots of fun. And I don't think there was a special, a second Rubber Ducky in that song, but that was from Ernie from Sesame Street. Yay! Yeah, I don't have a Rubber Ducky around here. I think we did. Maybe it does. I, f- I feel like I had a rubber ducky somewhere. I'm looking around. We have like lots of shelves with random, random stuff around. Like we literally have like five little mini trolls. And we have, what else do we have? We got two bobbleheads, which you saw in the bobblehead sketch. We have a, an aerial ornament um, that I got for our non Christmas tree this year. <laughs> we have lots of things, but we do not have rubber duckies around. However, oh, this is a song. They actually wrote the lyrics. Ah, rubber ducky, you're the one. You make bath time lots of fun. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know if that was a tune for whatever the last one. But yeah, during bath time. Now, we don't have bath time anymore as adults. Really, you don't. Unless you're filming the bubble bath get sketch like I did last week. The Friendly Puppet isn't the only fan of the bath accessory. The to- this country celebrates the toy on National Rubber Ducky Day on January 13th. 
Um, first, it was designed in the 1800s when rubber manufacturing began. It was made out of plastic and vinyl during both world wars, as rubber was scarce. The ducky toy was first patented in 1928. So, so they, they first made it, and then they patented it in 1928. You know, okay. By Landon Smart Lawrence, but the toy was a little heavier back in then. He put a weight in it to make sure it always stayed upright. Oh, that's really smart. That's really smart. He put a little weight so that it would, you know, it wouldn't like fall over and be like, well, you know, um, if you're, <laughs> if you're ever out in the ocean, if you're ever, if you're ever out in the ocean, you might just run into a rubber ducky. Twenty-eight thousand rubber duckies on <laughs> the rubber ducks, but I will call them rubber duckies for this. Um, uh, on their way via boat to Washington, went overboard during a storm in 1992. It's been said that the ducks floated to the Arctic, got trapped in the ice, and were slowly thawed out into the Atlantic Ocean. There are thousands still out there and often happen upon shores all over the world. Wow, that's really cool. That's really, I mean, I know it's terrible for the environment, but it's kind of fun to think that there's a bunch of, there's thousands of rubber duckies just like floating out there in the wild. Confusing animals, very much so. Hopefully, no one's trying to eat them. Um, that was 1992, so it's been 31 years. Maybe, maybe if they are trapped behind ice, and like thousands of years later, you know, as as like the future humans or whatever evolves, they're like they're cracking open some ice, and then they see some rubber duckies, and they're like, "What is this?" I, I want that to happen. That's gonna happen one day. Mm. Anyway. Um, I don't know when they made this a holiday, but you can visit a rubber duck sculpture in Amsterdam, uh, or Sydney, or Hong Kong, um, uh, and other places. You can attend a rubber duck race in Columbus, Ohio, and you can take a bath with some with some rubber duckies. So, yeah, rubber duckies. Okay, Kaling, Cal. Kaling, Kaling. Um, it's the Welsh tradition of celebrating and welcoming the new year. Did you know that Kaling is a Welsh word that is derived from the Latin word kalends, which translates to the first day of a month? While many countries have adopted the Gregorian calendar, a village in Wales known as, oh my gosh, what? How do you say these words? Gwim, gwim. <laughs> Is still using the Julian calendar. See, I pronounce all 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 foreign words bad. Okay, even even Welsh, even Wales people. All right. Um, hence celebrating the New Year thirteen days later. Nonetheless, the celebration was and still is spectacular. In on Kelling, people of Wales exchange gifts, sweets, or even money with their family and friends to welcome the New Year on a good note. Wow, so awesome! So happy New Year to all those people in Clumgun. Yeah, Clumgun. Ooh, Lorai, Lorai. The end of the winter season is a joyous one in India, uh, with Lorai celebrated on January 13th annually. This is a special celebration, particularly in northern India, that marks the harvest of the winter rabbi crops and the end of the winter solstice. It celebrates the sun and the ushering of longer days. So, so it's very fascinating. So it's like, in India, they're, like, celebrating the end of the winter season. And then in Wales, they're, like, 
Woo! It's the start of the new year, so it, it, it's definitely people just celebrating a lot of stuff around this time. I, I, it's kind of strange how how it kind of works out like that. That that we all these different calendars kind of arrive, and they're all kind of in this like range, this range of days of the new year. <coughs> make your dream come true day. All right, make your dream come true day, and we have a sketch for that. Oh, that's our first. Um, current sketch of the day. Oh no. Do I have this? Yes, I do. That is not. Yes, that is. That is mine. I kind of panic because I have these on my phone. And then I also have pictures and stuff. And I took a lot of like random pictures of like Elaine and stuff. So I'm like, oh my gosh, where is this? But here it is for your viewing pleasure. Kim, you okay? Damn it, Letitia, you broke my concentration. Of a rock? Yes. It's make your dream come true day. And your dream is to have a pet rock. No, no, no. I I've always dreamed of having psychic powers. You know, like moving things with my mind. And you think you can do that today? Anything's possible on make your dream come true day. It's supposed to be about setting realistic goals, Kim. Not magical ones. But what are dreams but magical manifestations of reality. Just go back to your pet rock, Kim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that was Make Your Dreams Come True Day. I wrote that sketch and Letitia Kane acted in it with myself. And I don't know if you've been paying a lot, paying attention. I just bumped up the volume because this volume is supposed to be plus ten, but somehow it was like zero. So I hope the rest of you guys heard this earlier. So and <laughs> started a very quiet, quiet, uh, quiet show. And now it's back to normal. Yeah. But anyway, make your dreams come true day. Woo woo. All right. So let's learn about making your dreams come true day. Uh, dreams are the wings upon which we all soar through life. And this Make Your Dream Come True Day on January 13th, we are fulfilling all of ours. This day is celebrated to encourage every person to make their dreams come true. Okay? So, yeah. Um, just, you know, make your dreams come true. So just a little bit of history of dreams. Dreams influence reality. In sometime between 2144 to 2124 BC, the king of the Sumerian city-state of Lagash Guidia, Gudia has a dream in which he is told to rebuild the temple of Ningarasu in his state. He heeds his dream's advice and rebuilds the temple. Cool. Um, 1965, 1865. Wow. Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Reality merges with dreams and a vivid tale in this children's tale. It becomes one of the most beloved and enduring children's books of all time. I've never read, I've never read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I've only seen the movies the movies because i've seen the cartoon and then i've also seen did anyone see the live action like musical version i remember watching that in the eight was it 80s 90s it was sometime in that frame and i remember there are two parts of it and 
because I think we had we had it like recorded or, or something like that and it was a live action and like the it got really scary because there's the Jabberwocky and they made the Jabberwocky really scary and then she was like crawling through mirrors and stuff like that was that was really cool I think that's my favorite over the OG Alice in Wonderland which might be offensive to some people but I really loved that that like weird they're like live action one, which uh, I, you know, all, all you fans out there, you know, if you are also a fan of it, let me know. Um, late 19th century, Australian neurologist Sigmund Freud thinks dreams are simply a person's unconscious trying to fulfill wishes, which I, I think that's kind of what we, we initiate now, think now. Uh, he further says such unconscious desires are leftovers of childhood experiences or memories. Hmm. And 1928, the most recognizable mouse in the world, Walt Disney dreams up a cartoon character, Mickey Mouse. That is arguably the most famous ever at a time when his fortunes were dwindling dangerously. Oh, so he was like broke? Hey! That's great. That's something to look forward to. So Walt Disney was super broke when he dreamed up Mickey Mouse, he made his dreams come true, and then he goes on, and now it's Disney, and it's this billion-dollar company, trillion-dollar company, probably. And just goes to show, you can be broke, too, and still make your dreams come true. I am a fun fact. I am, when I was in fifth grade, I was a dreamer and doer. Uh, they have this, like, thing in, or in, in, in Central Florida, or maybe all of Florida, where um, they, like, select special kids, just, like, kids that are great. <laughs> and uh, and and were selected as Disney's dreamers and doers. So in fifth grade, I went to uh, Disney, and they like had a whole ceremony, and I got my picture taken with Mickey Mouse. And then I also met um, Miss America at the time, who was Heather Whitestone, who was the first deaf Miss America, maybe the only deaf Miss America. I don't know if there are more, but that was really cool. So I am officially a dreamer and doer. Yeah. And I'm going to hold that forever my whole life, okay? Even though it happened when I was in fifth grade, that is still, that is still, I'm still a Disney dreamer and doer. I always am. All right, back to <clears throat> National Blame Someone Else Day. Ooh, this is fun. This would have been a good sketch, but, you know, we had other ones. But uh, but that that's a, that's a great sketch, too. I hate all these ads that pop up. This is so annoying. We got to figure this out. Maybe I'll just make PowerPoint presentations <laughs> in all the time that I have outside of this. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Fun. Um, intern. My magical intern. Last night when we were on No News is News, we were filming that. We were saying we really need an intern. But, you know, you know, that that's a, that's a, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I just don't even know. I'm, I'm not very good at delegating. I would just end up doing it all myself or Alex. We both do it ourselves and the intern would just be getting us coffee. But hey, that still works. That saves a couple minutes out of my day. Right. Um, Mark's National Blame Someone Else Day. Don't we blame that day for anything that goes wrong anyway? If you must leave the house today, go ahead and plan your best stories of how someone else or something. It is Friday the 13th. So you could be like, there was a werewolf. Um, maybe at fault for whatever happens. We've all had plenty of practice, so it shouldn't be a widely daunting task. But read on if you need a little more inspiration. Okay. So, you know, um, National Blame Your Someone Else Day um, began one Friday the 13th in 1982. So again, <laughs> Friday the 13th. So this started Friday the 13th, and it is Friday the 13th. So it is really, really, really... National Blame Someone Else Day. You know, but I, I feel like that's what, like, 
you know, our politicians do every day. So, you know, they're going to be doing a lot of this holiday today. I tell you that. Um, so now we have the opportunity. Um, when in 1982, when Anne Moel's alarm clock failed to go off, resulting in a full day of bad luck. Who's Anne Moel? So now we have the opportunity to join an entire day. So she decided to create it. She was like, she was like, I, I am, uh, yeah, I am going to blame my what? Because my alarm clock failed to go off. And then she's like, I'm going to make a national holiday. So Anne Moel, yeah, that's, that's turning bad luck into good luck. Now, now, now you're nationally known. All right. Oh, national Catherine Day. Ooh. National Catherine Day is associated with the adjective. Um, Catherine is for it's for all the Catherines out there. So yay, all these Catherines, all the Catherines, Katie's Kate, Bounty Kate, the daintiest Kate in all of Katedom. If you are a Shakespeare fan, there's that wonderful um, monologue by uh, Petrocchio. Oh my God, how am I missing his name in uh, in Taming the uh, the Taming of the Shrew? Where he's talking all about Kate's and she's like, I am just, I'm just, yeah. And he's like, Kate, I'm going to call you Kate. And she's Catherine and blah, 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 all that. All right. It is associated with the adjective katharos, katharos, which means pure. It's a feminine name popular in Christian um, countries and is derived from the name of the Christian saint Catherine of Alexandria, a 14th century martyr. Had roots in Latin, French, Irish, and Anglo-Saxon. It originates from Katharina in Latin. It was among the most 100 famous names in 1880 in the U.S. and Britain, but its popularity declined in 1950. So very, very cool. Awesome. Um, and, of course, there is the famous, um, you know, Catherine. The, there's a lot of famous Catherines, but there's a famous Catherine the second as well in Russia. Catherine the Great. Catherine the Great in Russia. Yeah. So, anywho. Um, we got National Kathleen Day. So we got Catherine, Kathleen, celebrating some special days. Um, it uh, might sound too mature and dignified. Suppose you take a second to think about the Kathleen's you know. Chances are they're more mature, exceptionally groomed, and established women who are professional and eccentric in their own right. Many grandmas are named Kathleen. It is, was a popular name in their time. And today when you meet Kathleen, you may be surprised by your wit, lust for life, and creative streak now kathleen means it's an early I it means pure as well so you got catherine kathleen both mean impure um it's an early irish import version that came between catherine and caitlin and it's been so long that it's finally starting to seem new again cool um and it's a, in a lot of romantic songs, including I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen, made famous by Elvis Presley. And as some of you guys know, Lisa Marie Presley just died yesterday. Very sad. I, I don't want to do this wah, 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 because it's like, that's like sarcastic. So anyway, um, sad, sad. But um, anyway, back to Kathleen, a sweet, caring soul who strives to share as much time with her possible with her friends and family. So, so celebrate Kathleen's day and Catherine's. And now we got a food day. So when I'm drawing up all the holidays for next month, there's a lot of food ones. So I'm really excited because hopefully we can get some food food. Like there's gonna be a lot of eating some fun desserts and, and other things next month. But this month we have National Peach Melba Day. Ooh. Um, named in 
honor and made in honor of the famous opera singer Nellie Melba. This day invites everyone to try out this amazingly refreshing dessert. While the original recipe is a dish made from peaches, raspberry sauce, and vanilla ice cream. That sounds amazing. Um, multiple recipes change up the ingredients to suit various tastes and create slightly different flavor combinations. So um, the, it was inspired by Helen Nellie Porter Mitchell, an Australian who went on to become a world famous opera singer. Um, she was persuaded as a, she became acquainted when she was in London with the famous French chef Auguste Escoffer. He was in turn known for his imaginative dishes and luxurious meals, and many of his dishes were named after the star patrons at his restaurants. So very, very cool. Um, she sent um, tickets to Escoffer, tickets to this performance of, of, of Wagner's um, opera Lohengrin at Covent Garden, and it featured a boat in the shape of a swan. And the next evening, he presented a dessert of fresh peaches served on a bed of vanilla ice cream and raspberry sauce and displayed it on an ice sculpture of a swan. Wow, that's fancy. Like you don't go to a restaurant and get that today. Um, another version of events indicates this creation appeared at the Duke of Orleans' dinner party, which he planned to celebrate Melba's triumphant performance. Either way, this dish was the birth of our famous dessert. Very fascinating. Very, very cool. Um, he created, a year, eight years later, he created a new version without the ice sculpture. Yeah, because that's a lot to do in the back. You know, you got like 20 orders of Peach Melba coming back in, and you're like, dude, hold on, I gotta like chisel this ice sculpture first. But that's really cool, too, because it keeps the keeps the ice cream cold so you don't have to worry about it melting while you're eating it i mean you have to worry about the ice melting but the ice cream itself ooh, i wonder if that exists i'm actually i know i was making fun of it i was being like that's ridiculous but i kind of want i kind of want a peach melba in in, a, in an ice swan now <laughs> don't you don't you that sounds amazing and it's make your dream come true day so make that dream come true of the peach melba in a swan all right. Very, very cool. All righty. Next, we have National Sticker Day. What? National Sticker Day. That sounds fun. Um, so we love stickers. They're all around us and a part of everyday life, though we don't realize it. Um, National Sticker Day is a perfect day to go crazy with your love of them. The first stickers began as, ta as tax and postage stamps in the 1800s, but they have come a long way since then, and there are a variety of uses and styles today. There are political stickers, band stickers, and bumper stickers. There are funny, cute, congratulatory, and animal stickers. They are especially popular with children who often collect them in sticker books, but are for everyone and every taste regardless of age. So unleash your inner child and get creative with some stickers. <laughs> Yeah. I, I I I loved um Lisa Frank stuff when I was a kid and I remember I had I, I probably my parents probably still have it. It was this box and it just had all these stickers. It was like storing the stickers and so I could I, I mean I didn't really use the stickers that much. I kind of just collected them, but I had this huge box just to store different stickers. And oh man, if that's still there, I cannot imagine. Cause that was like that was like Lisa Frank from the nineties. Which like is so cool. I actually saw that there's a lounge fly collaboration with Lisa Frank, and I kind of really want to get one of those bags because it looks amazing and it's just I, I really loved it. I loved all the like the sparkly, the fun stuff. That it, that's the best sticker maker, in my opinion, of all time. So Lisa Frank. But I mean she made other things too. She had stationery, but the stickers. The stickers were where it was at. 
seconds where it was at. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to talk about Lisa Frank? No, we're not going to talk about Lisa Frank. Well, that's BS. Whatever. All right. Poetry break day. Ooh. Different from poetry at work day, which we celebrated um, on the 10th, I believe. Um, all right. Poetry break day. Um, it's committed to helping you have an amazing celebration. Did you know that the Mesopotamian Epic of Gilgamesh, I can't believe I said that right, is <laughs> considered to be the first poem ever written and is about 4,000 years ago. Poetry Break Day is a celebration of the poet inside all of us. People celebrate this day by writing poems of their own and also reading poetry written by their famous poets. Some might say it's a day when poets take a break and people who don't usually write poems take up their responsibility. All right, however, no evidence supports this claim. I mean, I, I just heard about Poetry Break Day today. Did you? Um, but one thing we can agree on is the day celebrates poetry. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of poetry, if you are in the area of Orlando um, this weekend at Dead Lizard Brewing Company, um, myself and a wonderful troupe of actors, we are doing um, Shakespeare on the Bottle, which is uh, a production of uh, The Winter's Tale, but it's, it's a stage reading. We uh, pull our character names out of a hat, like right at the start, and then just kind of read through. But at, throughout, we also drink. We have drinking games as well. Um, for instance, um, for, for this weekend with Winter's Tale, um, every time they mention the word, uh, uh, the Apollo, Apollo or the Oracle, um, we take a drink, which happens a lot. And then also like the word Bohemia, which happens a lot. Um, and every time, if you know the play, every time someone says Leontes is wrong, which is a lot. So um, that's another one. Um, so lots of really fun things for Poetry Break Day where you can watch us do some Shakespeare, which is poetry in its own right. <gasps> Public Radio Broadcasting Day. What? Cool. I mean, this kind of is public radio. <laughs> Is that what, you know, podcasting is the new public radio. Um, on this public radio broadcasting day, the world celebrates a very special piece of technology, the radio. All right. So maybe, maybe not. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, could you consider Spotify and Anchor and stuff? It's radio-like. It's not the radio, but it's still radio-like. Um, the day honors those who invented the radio and devised public broadcasting. It gave us a newfound appreciation for technology and its importance in our lives. Very cool. Italian inventor. Yeah, Italian. Yeah, Italian. Electrical engineer uh, Guiglimo, Guiglimo Marconi. Guiglimo Marconi. I think I said that right. Proved the possibility of radio communication when he sent and received his first radio transmission in 1895. Wow. So private homes across the private homes um, across the United States United Kingdom, Hungary, France, and many other places had conventional telephone lines broadcasting news, telephone lines. Oh, so it was over the telephone. Broadcasting news, music, live theater, music hall, fiction readings, religious broadcasts, etc. The system was called Electrophone in Britain, Telephone Himrondo in Hungary, and Theatrophone in France. But the first sounds, voice, and music sing singles heard over the radio was in December 1906 when Canadian experimental Reginald Fessenden produced about an hour of music and talk for anyone who might be listening. It was like the first podcast. Yeah. What? Yeah. From Brant Run, Massachusetts. Uh, the next few years were marked by similar experiments, but none of them could contain continuous story. I would love to, I wish I, wouldn't it be fantastic and so fascinating to like, hear what that was 
that music and talk, like what were they talking about in 1906, you know? Were they talking about politics? Were they talking about national holidays? What were they talking about? Were they telling jokes? Like, isn't that so fascinating that he, this dude produced an hour of music and talk and I, I, who knows, we don't know what he said. I mean, I guess we could try to maybe pull out through things, but like, that's fascinating. You know, it's just something that's never captured. Ooh, in 1910 in New York City, a live opera featuring some of the most renowned opera singers of that period was broadcast from the Metropolitan Opera House. This became the world's first public radio broadcast um, running on for several hours. This broadcast was unfortunately not picked by many people and was considered unsuccessful because of the poor sound quality. So always a critic, man, always a critic. Um, by the mid 20th century, every country had a broadcasting system that was in most cases, run and operated by the government. By around 1945, with the invention of the television, the radio and its influence transformed. It remained the most widely available electronic mass medium globally, but it faced com competition from various other mediums. In the 21st century, radio broadcasts face competitive pressure from digital satellite and internet-based services, but they seem to be holding their own and adapting to the listeners' changing needs. Yes. Yeah. So cool, all you radio broadcasters out there, including, you know, all the podcasters too. I, I feel like that kind of counts. All right, uh, Quitter's Day. Yeah, and we have a next our, our other sketch for this. If I could just get this here. All right, here we go. Quitter's Day. That's it. I'm quitting smoking, processed meats, and anything that seems questionable after it's been inside of me. How are you celebrating National Quitters Day? I'm quitting pills. Pills? I didn't know you had a problem, but, but good for you. A anything specific? A tenolol. Tenolol? Isn't that heart medication? Yes. So that was our, our Earth's Quitter's Day sketch written by Amanda Fisher, starring myself and Jennifer Callison. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's the simplest jokes that, that end up being real, really fun. So um, Jen was fine. She had a little pad of like, like a, like a, ex, you know, like a, I don't know, like, like a thing at the gym that you like put down, you know, so you don't, she, 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 she fell safely. That's all I have to say. She fell safely, guys. Okay. It was a safe set. All right, let's move on to our learning about what Quitter's Day is, although we kind of learned a little bit. Quitter's Day is held on the second Friday in January. Um, it's the tradition of setting New Year's resolutions began some 4,000 years ago with the ancient Babylonians. Ooh. For them, the year did not begin in January, but in mid-March, on the first moon after the spring equinox. Quitter's Day is set aside to recognize those who set New Year goals and fail to achieve them. <laughs> and to encourage and equip them to try again and ultimately succeed. Yeah. Research has shown that people quit their resolutions for the year by the second Friday of January. So if you quit that New Year's resolution, this is a day to revitalize that and make your dreams come true by keeping your New Year's resolution. 
So, so keep on going. And, uh, okay, we have a Stephen Foster Memorial Day. So we're almost at the birthdays, but not yet. Stephen Foster Memorial Day, which is on January 13th. Um, he gives you the opportunity to discover America's first songwriter and his music, which you might recognize. This day commemorates the man who composed hundreds of popular American songs, even before songwriting was a career. Yeah, Stephen Foster Memorial Day. Stephen Foster. Let's see what he did. I want to know what songs he did. Aren't you? I'm so excited. Um, let's see. He was... He did not uh, receive formal tutoring. He was assisted by musician and music dealer Henry Kleber. He also taught himself how to play the clarinet, flute, piano, and guitar, and he showed a natural music musical bent. Um, in 1846, he moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, to work as a bookkeeper at his brother's steamship company. While there, he wrote his first successful song, eventually returning to Pennsylvania in 1850 to sign a contract with New York publishers Firth, Pond, and Co. Um, to write... Um, some songs for them, for the minstrel band, the, ooh, the, the, the minstrel band, the Christie minstrels, according to the publisher's rules, some songs appeared under Christie's name. Foster was named as a songwriter only after 1879. So they had to like retract that. So anyway, um, he attempted to make a living, but it wasn't even considered a profession back then. They're like, why are you trying to make money off of this? This isn't a job. That's so weird. That's so weird to be like, I did this work, and they're like, no, I'm sorry. This job doesn't exist, so we're not going to pay you. Um, and by 1857, after severe financial difficulties, he sold all the rights to his future songs to his publishers for approximately nine, $1,900. The profits of his songs went largely to the performers and his publishers, so he really didn't get that much money. Um, upon moving to New York City in 1860, he began to change his style. Now he was writing largely sentimental songs such as Poor Droopin' Maiden. Oh, yeah. Y'all know that beat. Poor Droopin' Maiden. Poor Droopin' Maiden. I don't think that's how that goes, but anyway. Poor Drooping Maiden. Um, the subsequent years were less prolific, and he faced significant personal troubles. Aww. He died at the age of 37 in what appeared to be an accident at home and left around 200 songs for which he'd written the words as well as the, the music. Wow, that really sucks. All right. So he died young. He was like one of the, I mean, it wasn't the 27 Club, but he was the 37 Club. That's really sad. Um, uh, In October 1951, Harry Truman, President Harry Truman, dedicated the day Foster died. Uh, died, not his birthday. Died. Um, it was made official in 1966 and was celebrated a year later. Do you think Harry Truman like really liked his music? And he was like, he's my favorite musician. So here are some songs he sang, he, he, he wrote. Tioga Waltz, Open Thy Lattice Love. I've heard of that one. Oh, Susanna. Oh, oh, Susanna, don't you cry for me. He wrote Oh, Susanna in sometime between 1848 and 1849. Um, while working as Brothers Steamship Company, the song goes on to become the anthem for gold miners heading west to the California Gold Rush. Oh, I didn't realize that was about the Gold Rush. That's interesting. Cool. So that's that's at least one song. So sing Oh Susanna today in honor of Stephen Foster. Yeah. And then look up some other stuff too, which are probably all public domain now. All right. Lastly, speaking of public domain songs, we have our happy birthdays. So Without further ado, 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Liam Helmsworth, Hemsworth, Lori Harvey, Mike Majlack, Nikki, Nikki King's Day, Orlando Bloom, Patrick Dempsey, Trey Brooks, and Tyler Henry. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. Very cool. So, you know, we got these people. We got, of course, we know who Liam Hemsworth is, right? Hello. Hello. Then we got Laura. Lori Harvey, some Instagram person. Mike Maljack as um, some social media guy. Neeky, Neeky and Kings. All right. She's a vlogger. Got Orlando Bloom. We all know who Orlando Bloom is. We got Patrick Dempsey. We got we got him, too. Um, we got Trey Brooks, who's also some social media dude and then tyler henry who is a hollywood medium so he's been what's he been doing who's this guy all right um oh he does like cold like he does he does psychic stuff or, or at least tries to tell you know he 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 tells the lot he fools celebrities into thinking that he's reading them stuff <laughs> he's telling the future <laughs> anyway <laughs> Woo! that was our show today Thank you all. It's Friday, Friday the 13th. So, yeah. Um, make your dreams come to your true day. Twitter's day. You know, use that to inspire you. Um, I'm Kimberly DePersia. Um, and you can subscribe, hit that notification bell, give a like, smash that like button, give a comment, you know, show us some love on all. Thank you for watching today. And if you haven't yet, check out envypictures.com or envy the app. Only $40 per year to subscribe to this and all other things we have award-winning films series lots of stuff um and more content coming out later in this year consistently so have a great day everyone and happy friday